0: All right. Well, we see another pattern of three. If you're up on Facebook, I made that note to you. And this pattern of three demonstrates the heart and intent of the false teachers. And we're also going to take a look at this term that's used great swelling words. We saw some things in, in history from this. But last week we were looking at Enoch's prophecy and how this brought about an urgency. Or how this helps us understand the urgency that Jude felt and why he scrapped the idea of taking his time and writing a different epistle to, with urgency, write this one. We saw how those who had crept in were trying to change the church's view on many biblical views, just like they do, <clears throat> they do today. But here in verse 16, it says, these are grumblers, Complainers walking according to their own lust, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. The word there for grumblers is, is, uh, really only used here, but if you find the other forms of it, this is the noun form. If you look at some of the other forms, verb, adverb, and such, you'll see other places in scripture where this is, but the noun form only occurs here, calling people grumblers. It means one who discontentedly Complaints. So the complaint comes from things that they're discontent about. It's a smoldering discontent. It's brewing, but it's not out in the open yet. If they let it come out in the open, this would hinder their creeping in and expose them to unwanted attention and scrutiny. So they do try and keep it, keep it down. This word is used in other areas of, of writing. It's used of the cooing of doves. And refers not to a loud, outspoken dissatisfaction, but that undertone muttering that would go on. Now, just like the angels in verse 6, who were not satisfied with their domain or their role that they had, they longed for something that they didn't have and hadn't earned. And the same here with with these guys, these uh, false teachers. Now, I can live a life governed by the Word of God or... I can live a life governed by my natural instincts, desire, and aspirations. And that's what these guys are going for, that they're trying to pass it off as being governed by the Word or governed by His Spirit. And Jude is trying to to show them this is how you tell the difference between those that are governed by natural instincts and those that are governed by spiritual. Now, the verb form of this word is used in 1 Corinthians 10.10 when it talks about the Israelites and how they also complained and were destroyed. And that's the kind of grumbling that would be there. Of course, they grumbled and complained under their breath until it came all out. And then they just were ready to hang Moses out. And it will, after a while, you get this under the surface. But it will come out to a much more outspoken uh, type of complaining that would go on. So he says, these are grumblers, complainers walking according to their own lust. The word there, complainers, it um, it's a compound word that means blamers of their lot. They're complaining of their, of their lot, their, that they are discontented with. The New Century Version puts it this way, these people complain and blame others doing the evil things they want to do. They brag about themselves and they flatter others to get what they want. They complain and they blame others. It just, uh, puts it in a little bit of a different, different life for that. I wrote down this quote but I didn't write it down who I got it from but it has rightly been observed that whenever a man gets out of touch with God he is likely to begin complaining about something. I thought, well, that is surely profound. I um, don't know who said that (laughs) but it was a good one. I have it in quotes so it's not something that I wrote in there. Now, you know the sort of people that are alluded to here. Nothing... Ever satisfies them. And certainly, we've had people in our life, nothing seems to ever satisfy them. They're discontented even with the gospel. They're discontented with how people present the gospel. They're discontented with ministers. They're discontented with churches. They're discontented with their job. They're discontented with just about everything. For them, uh, this is, this, this is something from Spurgeon. The bread of bread of heaven must be cut into three pieces and served on dainty napkins, or else they cannot eat it. <laughs> and very soon their soul hates even this light bread. There is no way by which a Christian man can serve God so as to please them. They will pick holes in every preacher's coat, and if the great high priest himself were here, they would find fault with the color of stones of his breastplate. That was from Spurgeon. If you know much about him, you know he doesn't mince words. <laughs> He, he hits it right at you. That's, that's what he does. Now the word rendered murmurers and complainers, as we said, this occurs nowhere else in the New Testament. And I wrote this this note down from one of my uh, Greek, um, uh, Greek uh, works that I have. It is doubtful whether any clear distinction can be drawn between them, except that the former term, the, the first one, the grumblers, the former term is more general and the latter the more specific expressing one particular direction which the murmuring spirit takes namely that of discontent with their circumstances so again we're we're coming back there they're in a circumstance they don't like it and so they're there too they're discontented now you you think they've crept into the church why in the world would you creep into a church and then get, complain about the the situation well mate they looked at it before and they didn't like it and they figured if I infiltrate it I can change it. And so these are people who probably looked upon the church looked upon the the way things were going and didn't like it. Either they thought it was evil they thought it was not God or just thought it wasn't right. But whatever it was they infiltrated the church with the purpose of changing it to become more like they wanted it to be. So that's that's what he's seeing here. With these particular ones, the clause, walk, the, the clause walking after their own lust declares the secret cause of their discontent. They made themselves their own notions of things, their own ambitions and appetites, the one rule of their life. They therefore judged the lot that was assigned them by God, unworthy of them, and railed against it. Now, we told you before, Second Peter and Jude really have a lot of things in common. And go after much of the same thing, and so we'll be comparing some of the things with Second Peter here that talk about these these particular folks but let's go back and read our our scripture again. These are grumblers, complainers walking according to their own lust. Now the word they're walking is a common word we 've used it many times before a planned course of conduct to order one 's life this is a this is how we order our life. This is the things that we do in our life. This is how we order our life to, to go. So it is talking about they, they walk, they order their life according to their own lusts, their own things that they are, are craving, the things that they want. And that could be power. That could be money. That could be influence. That could be the, just the very thing to change the church and change what people are doing. Some may be even more evil. And want to bring people along the line of of uh, evil and and uh, degenerate way. The the word of God calls these pernicious evil people. They're not content in being evil themselves. They want to bring other people along the evil way with them. Now the lust. The word here for lust is epithumia, not just an immoral desire, but a passionate craving. But this word can mean a passionate craving for something good, or it can mean a passionate craving for something bad. Some positive places where you'll see this word used is Philippians 1.23, For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. So that word their desire, is our same word here. It is a, a passionate craving. I'm sure most of us can relate to that. We look at some of the things that are going on in this world, we say, ah, oh, just beat me up. Luke 22 and verse 15. Then he said to them, With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. With fervent desire. So he's he's desiring to have this Passover with them before he would go into the the cross. But this word is used there. 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 17. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavoring more eagerly to see your face with great desire. And we know how much... Paul loved to see the church and how much his heart was was for them. And so we can see that this word here is certainly not any kind of an evil uh, desire, but it's used for uh, some very good things. So just because we see that word doesn't mean that it's necessarily bad. But since in the context we're seeing that they're, uh, they're ordering their behavior after bad things, we know how to apply it. Now these are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. The word here for great swelling is um, used one other time in Second Peter, but it it means overswollen, overblown, oversized, immoderate. It means it is something that is blown up as big. Uh, is a compound word, hooper which of course we can we understand that one to be more of a jumbo size type of a type of a word but in second peter in verse 1 of chapter 2 but there were also false prophets among the people even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies even denying the lord who brought them and bring on themselves swift destruction and many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. Now this, is, of course, the, it still happens today. People infiltrate the church. They, they get to a place of prominence. They may even become as a teacher, a recognized teacher, and then begin to teach things that cause the way of truth to be blasphemed or to, to be looked down upon. By covetous, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, the judgment has not been idle. And their destruction does not slumber. Jumping down to verse 12. But these, like natural brute beasts, made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things they do not understand, and will utterly perish in their own corruption. That wasn't just true of his day. Certainly it's been true just about every day in between his day and this day now, and even before then. That people who don't understand the word, people who don't understand God, and people who don't understand the Bible, will... um will speak of it in an evil way. I get amazed at people who will say they themselves don't follow God, they don't study the Bible, but will try and instruct Christians as to what's correct. <laughs> we just had a case of that happening this week on, on some things with, with me and my wife and, and uh, some of the interactions that we had that uh, somebody who doesn't even study the Bible, doesn't even believe in God, began to instruct us on what was right. You just can't do that. If you're not going to follow the Bible, then uh, don't. <laughs> you're not going to be an expert on it, and uh, just just leave it alone. But uh, certainly, I'm not an expert on all things atheist, and I wouldn't try and comment on people that are that are going that direction. That's for them to comment on and to and to do. And um, uh, I, I was, you know, in all the study that we're doing on prophets, I was listening to some of them, and there's one particular prophet. Uh, who, once again, uh, fits a bill that, um, uh, outwardly, there's nothing that attracted me to him. And, but the, the few times I, a few times I saw him, his delivery was just like who you think a prophet was, should be. And then other times, it's, uh, a lot of music around it. And, uh, which is fine, you know, it's, I guess, you know, we see that in the writings with David, that sometimes music was involved in, in prophetic things. Uh, for me, I personally don 't need it. I prefer leave the music out give me the the word of prophecy and, and that 's about it. but in this particular prophecy, they had a a word and they singled out uh, a word from God and they singled out Nan- uh not nancy it was um oh uh, no I forget who it was, but one of the prominent uh, political people in the in the thing and now i can 't think of who it was. And I mentioned something about them, this is their first time here. And I thought, oh, that person must must believe in maybe a reincarnation or something like that. It wasn't something I was familiar with. Not that I'm an expert on that particular person. You, there are certain people in politics that are just so evil, I really try and stay away from everything that they say and do. You can't stay away from everything, but whether they uh, believe that or not, I, I don't know. But anyway, there's this one particular... Uh, person that was prominent and 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 this was was a uh, somewhat it wasn 't a complete outright rebuke of them. this was one of the things that they threw out but apparently there were some people in her history that um, had been praying or at least had a relationship with god and that was there was a reference to that that I guess maybe made some sense to that person but anyway that was just stuff stuff on the uh, on prophets um, that 's where do we leave off at verse two And many will follow the destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be... Whoops. Wrong one. All right. So, like natural brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption. And will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. A lot of people carouse at nighttime. They figure the nighttime would cover up the things that they're doing, but there are some people who just don't care anymore. And that's why I was referring to them going in the, in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes, carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you. Having eyes full of adultery, they cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accused children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, Who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever for when they speak great swelling words of emptiness. And there we see the exact same phraseology. Great swelling words of emptiness they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them, And overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns with vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. And just reading that, you can sure see a whole lot that's very very much in common with what Jude is is writing. Uh, Peter just takes a lot more words. Uh, and it covers probably some more areas than Jude does but you can see how succinct Jude is he may not be very wordy he may be a very short epistle but he gets into a lot he just doesn't elaborate on each each point Peter will elaborate on on the points more but verse 18 again great swelling words of emptiness that phrase only appears here in Peter and in Jude and that's why the, uh, the, the thought is that one influenced the other though I haven't heard a a um, real strong case which one that would have been or whether that uh, was so at all. I think God can certainly inspire people to to write similar things. But here's a note that I had seen on this. And this uh, uh, referred to a similar phrase being used in the Old Testament. Now, my first thought was, well, the Old Testament wasn't written in this the same thing. So I, I'm pretty sure that what they were referring to was something in the Septuagint and that they translated the um the Hebrew. But then when I saw the reference they were doing, it would have been the Aramaic. So they would have had to translate Aramaic into the uh, Greek. And that was when Daniel said in um, 1136, Daniel chapter 11, verse 36, Then the king shall do according to his will. He shall exalt and magnify himself above every god, shall speak blasphemies against the God of gods. And that phrase there would be the one that would would be translated something similar to this one. And there we're using of a of a heathen king who is uh, speaking words to inflate himself above God. And that would be on the, the type of level that we have here. So let's go on back here to our scripture. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. So these words, they are great swelling words. These are words that are bigger than they should be. And the purpose is for flattery. So they target you and they flatter you with words that are, are big words. Are no one else is like this. No one else does this. No one else is in this way. And as soon as you begin to hear this stuff, you know, just begin to tone yourself down. Just begin to, to think about these kind of things. Because people do sneak into the body of Christ and begin to use these kind of phraseologies and, and to begin to uh build you up, talk to you about some about some things, but their lives won't won't demonstrate it. It won't it won't bear itself out. You know, I've had people come to me, as you probably have had come to you, and tell certain things about you, oh what you do over here, it's so good. I don't know of anybody who does anything like this. As soon as I hear that, I sort of say, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. I don't say that out loud, but I just kind of keep it in in mind. And sure enough, later on, I'll see some things that go on in their life that certainly depict that they didn't mean a single word that they said. And uh, they're just there for the purpose of saying those words is to flatter people to gain an advantage. Whatever the advantage might be that they want. I want to gain the advantage of you thinking that I am more of a man of God than I am. Or a woman of God than I am. I want you to think that I am more anointed than I am anointed. I want you to think that I walk in more things than that I do walk in. And if I think that they walk in these, these certain things, then maybe I would, uh, you know, give them some opportunity in those particular areas. That's what they think. That's what they want. Or, as in the case of Absalom, if you remember in the Old Testament, Absalom used these great flattering words to speak to people about his role in the kingdom. And if I just had a role, boy, I would I would see your case and I would decide for you. And, and these are great flattering words. There was no substance to it. But his purpose was to get into a position that he could use to go against his father. So they're walking according to their own lust. Whatever it is they, they greatly desire. There is something that they greatly desire. I don't know exactly what it is, and it's going to be different for different people, but there's something that they greatly desire. And they see you as a possibility to get what they want. Somehow you can be used in that way. At least they think you can be. And as long as they think that you can be, they will continue to to say these things and promote these things. But as soon as they determine that either it's, it's not working with you, or you can't get for them what they want, they move on. Because there was nothing sincere about it. It was just there to, to portray this. So, just always be careful uh, about that with people. And, uh, you will always find people that will, they will try and use these. They will try and use these to gain an advantage. They will try and, um, Uh, And in walking away, I had, you know, over the course of the years, I can think of all kinds of stuff that people have done. I know of one minister tried to to tell me um, that uh, I think there was a great connection between your spirit and my spirit and the things that we can do. And um, I'm thinking, I felt absolutely nothing. In fact, I don't even think you're anointed. (laughs) And I didn't. I thought they had no anointing at all. And it was just all um, show and mirrors. Is, is what it was, and i just i didn 't even reply i didn't even respond to it I just let it go and eventually they stopped sending me stuff and which is good <laughs> i didn't need to need to hear it I guess they figured if i wasn't buying whatever that um, whatever that might be but you'll have uh, people that will go along this way and there's something that they 're trying to get something that they 're trying to gain and don't um don't fall for it. I put in your outline this kind of this note. Should I be afraid of compliments? Because some of the things that we receive from Peter's writing and from Jude's writing, when somebody comes up and just wants to give you a compliment, I mean, should I just uh you know stop that? <laughs> just kind of rebuke them at that point, or as a as a person who wants to give a compliment, should I become? Uh, you know, fearful of that, and don't ever do that because that's part of edification, part of edifying. You go up and you give people a compliment, but if it's sincere, it will come across differently than when it's not sincere. There's just uh, there's going to be something that's different there, and when they give you a compliment, just receive it. Thank you very much, boy. I, I'm glad that that ministered to you, or I'm glad that something I did was was helpful for you, and just be be thankful for it, and and then just move on. Don't uh, sit there and dwell on it. Don't hang on to it. Don't be sitting there suspicious of the person. Boy, I wonder what it is that they're they're doing. Because this attitude that is there, it will show itself. They will say things to you, flattery-wise, that you know, well, that is not true. Maybe you sang a song, and they come up to you and say, I have never heard anyone sing that song better than you. Well, all right, I can understand if you enjoyed the, the song, the thing that I did, but uh, you know don't tell me that. you know've uh, I've heard some people out there sing that song, and boy, I wish I had the voice that they had. <laughs> and so right there, that's going to be be kind of a telling thing. But if you give a compliment, give it make sure it's genuine. Don't say something that you don't mean. Don't feel like you have to over, go overboard to make it be meaningful. I don't have to say you sang that song the greatest I've ever heard that song sang in order for you to, to understand that it ministered to me. I could say, boy, I just love the way your heart came out in that. I just love the passion that I could see. I just felt the anointing of God. Uh, that just really, And you just speak to the things that, that you enjoyed, that you liked about it, and you don't have to go any further than that. But make sure that if you're going to pass on a compliment, make sure it's genuine. If you're going to receive one, Make sure it's founded there's a, there's something there that it's founded on don't let somebody come up to you and tell you, man, that is the most uh intense whatever it was that you did i've never heard anything more anointed i've never heard anything better i've never heard anything, and you know uh, that that's not the case at all so just uh um, just be careful. these particular words that he's talking about these are great swelling Words they are bigger than they ought to be. Something about it is just not right. It's uh, they're telling you that you are more than you are. Now, on the way of growing in the things of God, we certainly grow and we certainly become uh, become certain things and do certain things. But I I know I know where we where we could be, where we are, and where that compliment can can be in my life so don't don't make it bigger than it is and certainly don't let the enemy use something that was meant for good God had somebody get inspired to come up and give you some edification and build you up on what you did and don't let the devil have you dwell on it so that you get a bigger head about yourself than y'all to. now these are their these are their methods methods And do notice that their methods all revolve around empty words instead of operating from love based on faith, character, and God's Word. They rely on empty words. These things that we have seen here, the grumbling, the complaining, the flattery, these are all empty words. It's basically taking speech and corrupting it. The Word of God has us to understand what the importance of speech is, the power of our words, the power of our words against the enemy. The power of our words as we pray towards God. The power of our words as we speak God's word in prophecy. As we speak God's word in teaching. As we speak God's word in edification, edification, comfort. All these things that we speak. There's power that is to be there. And those words should accomplish some things. But the enemy wants us to compromise those words. And to begin to speak things that we don't really mean. That we are not sincere about. Because once I start getting into that area of speaking words that are not sincere, it takes away my power in other areas. My words are not quite what they, what they should have been. Now he goes on here, verse 17, but you beloved remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's reminding them of words that the apostles had Now, of course, those would be be the disciples that Jesus had. They were considered to be apostles. Paul was considered to be an apostle. Others in the body at that time were considered to be apostles. We haven't gotten into the ministry of an apostle and how that differs from some of the others, but we will eventually get there. Remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this doesn't seem to be that he is trying to put himself on the level of, of an apostle. He's referring them to the words that they have heard from the apostles. and It does not seem from the language here that he's including himself in that. Remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. These people who came and established the church. Remember what they said. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. So, they all apparently, or at least a, a good number of the apostles, had told them that in the end times, in the last times, there would be mockers. Again, he's thinking they're in the la- the last days. Paul was thinking they were in the last days. So they're tying a lot of those things in, and there's other parts in Scripture that would seem to indicate they had a right to think that they were in the last days. But we are now in the last of the last days. Which is... Uh, which is good. In any way you want to look at it, we are closer to that day than, than they were. So, hopefully, we are real, real close. But he said they, they told you. It wasn't just one of them. And Jesus, of course, he taught them uh, about the false teachers that would come in, the deceivers that would come in. But apparently, the, the apostles that came after Jesus told them that they would be mockers in the last time, who would walk according to their ungodly lusts. So they had a fervent desire. Again, this word for lust, it's a fervent desire. It could be good, it could be bad, but it's called ungodly, so they pretty much locates that as being. That's bad. This is not a good, good thing to go after. They are pursuing something that is not of God. Even though they are in the church, even though they are passing themselves off as being believers, they are pursuing something that is not godly. Just because people are in the church doesn't mean that they all... Per- press into things that are godly. There are some things that people press into that are very natural, very worldly. They're convinced that God has them going in this direction, or at least they they sell it that way. I think the people he's talking about here, they know a little bit more that God is not behind it. But you will find people in the body of Christ who think wholeheartedly that what they're doing is God. And yet you could show them through the word that what they're doing is not. But they don't want to hear it. They just want to to go the direction that they're going. So they told you there would be mockers in this last time. Uh, in Acts chapter 20, in verse 29, it reads, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. In 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, But know this, Then in the last days perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. That is quite a list. And it's amazing that people like that would get their way into the church but he's telling them they're coming they will be they will be around you've got to begin to spot them in second peter chapter 3 verse 1 through 4 beloved i now write to you this second epistle in which in both of which i stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days. The word there, scoffers, is the same word we have for mockers. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So they're going to be mocking. What do you mean it's, it's going to be? What do you mean anything is going to be different? Everything's the same. This hasn't happened. People would be saying this today. What do you mean there's a second coming of Christ? People have been saying that for centuries. There is no second coming. He's not here. What do you mean there's a coming, a, a kingdom? They've been saying that for a long time. There's nothing here. And they begin to mock the things that God had promised. The same word is being used here. Now the world today you look at the press, you look at the heathen, you look at people that have that be called philosophers, even professors at college, they mock what they don't understand. They don't press in to understand it, they mock it. They take the people that want to side with it and they mock them. I hear many a story of a college student who goes to college and the professor, if they have a different view of the professor, they will mock them in class. They will put them down. They will give them a hard time in their grades. If parents rise up and begin to defend even people in, in, in high school, they're going to have a hard time with the grades. They're going to give them a harder time in, in what they do. So a lot of times parents say, I'm not going to get involved. If I get involved, my my child's grades will suffer. And so they they back off and they don't do some of those things. And they will try and, and mock you for the things that you believe and the thing that you hold dear. But it doesn't mean that you back down. It means you gotta, you gotta stay with it. Uh, I think I told the story before, but, you know, my, my daughter, she went to the Christian, uh, high school, and we didn't have as much trouble. We had some trouble with some spots in there, but, uh, my son, when he went to the, he was going to the, uh, North Penn High School, and one particular summer they decided to assign him a book over the summer, and I don't like a summer reading program from the school anyway, I don't feel that they have jurisdiction over him in the summer months, and so therefore, uh, if uh, they want, if I want him to have reading material, I'll give it to him. So um, I called up the the teacher, ended up get, getting into the principal, and told him. I says, "Look, this is this is his summer. If I want him reading something, I will give it to him. But I said the book that you gave him, I will not allow him to read. You will not penalize him when he comes back to school." Because I, as his father, am not allowing him to read this book. And the book, the particular book, um, I th- if I remember correctly, it was called The Life of Pi. They made a movie out of it. Mm-hmm. But in this, uh, in this book, this boy's in the in there talking to a tiger, I think it was. But they're discussing all kinds of world religions and putting all this stuff in there, and just the teachings from these things. I I, I wouldn't want to read it, and I wasn't going to have him do it. So we won the battle. But um, not everybody will want to do that. And I've heard even more horror stories of professors in college or even teachers in a high school who will purposely flunk the student if they stand up against their views. Now, in college, you're paying for the course, and you're paying for the course, and then you get flunked. And uh, this is not anything new. This is actually something that anybody remember the movie Dead Poets Society? Robin Williams, it's his first serious role he ever did as one. I love that movie. Uh, but there you'll see that attitude in the school that uh, we don't we don't train you to think. We raise you to comply. And he came into the school with the idea we well, know we want these boys to think and to uh, uh, come up with conclusions on their own and not just to, to do what everyone else would have them to do. Uh, so so I love the movie from that standpoint, but way back then, when was that? Back in the '90s, late '80s, early '90s, somewhere in there. Uh, that's it was it was a long time ago that it was done, but even back then, this was going on, and it's gotten only what only worse since then. And uh, you know, you just got to be real, real careful about these things. Kids are paying all kinds of money for higher education, and it has just gone downhill. And there is one viewpoint, there is our viewpoint, and if you accept it, then you can go on. If you don't, then one will flunk you, even though you paid money for the course. And they will mock you in class, and that's what these folks will do. You look at it today, if you come up with a different opinion on global warming, they mock you. If you come up with a different opinion on any of the prevailing things that they're trying to swing things over to, they will mock you. And um, it's it's a shame that it goes that way. But that's how they go. What he is telling you here is this attitude of mocking what we don't understand. This is not of God. This is always 100% from the pit of hell. When you see people that walk in this and just begin to mock what they don't understand. I don't understand Christianity. I'm going to mock it. I don't understand these particular. I'm going to mock it. This is where it comes from. So he says, how they told you that there would be mockers in this last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. So they're walking after the things that they want. They crave them greatly, but they're ungodly. They're things that are not of God. And in order to get people to not go after the other things, they mock them. You know, even right now, they want people into school systems. They want them to be indoctrinated in this way. And so people that are in private schools, families who take put their kids in private schools, families who decide to homeschool, they get looked down upon, they get mocked. How many times have you heard people that were homeschooled being singled out? Oh, well, they were homeschooled. Most of the times, homeschoolers will outperform those who were in, in school because they got more individual attention and they were able to learn the material and understand it. If you're just teaching one student, you can tailor the way that you teach to the way that t- that uh, particular student learns, and thereby they can, they can learn more. You get a class of 30, and a lot of times some of the kids in there are slipping through, not understanding, and the teacher's not able to interact the way that they, they could with a smaller classroom and be able to either figure out why they're not getting the material or even that they are not getting the material. now he says here have I told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust these are sensual pers- persons who cause the visions not having the spirit these are sensual persons the word sensual there denotes what pertains to man the natural personality as distinguished from the renewed man it's it's not spirit it's sensual it's it's the natural part of man. Some of the, some of the things on this word actually classify it as on the level of animals and plants. Completely natural. Nothing supernatural. God does not speak to the natural. He speaks to the supernatural. They are not going to be able to understand the things of God going through this particular way because you cannot understand the things of God on this level. You have to get off that level. So this is how they, they work. They're sensual. They're natural. They're unrenewed. The word there to separate or cause divisions comes from the word that means by drawing boundaries to destroy, part or separate from one another. That comes from weist. Drawing boundaries to destroying part separate from one another. So they want to mock certain ones that don't walk according to their views so that people feel odd about going after those particular, those, that particular side. I don't want to be counted as one for this because if they know that I am for this they will mock me. They will uh, do harsh things to me. Whatever it might be. This comes out. As we say, the pit of hell. But the, the idea here is to separate. If we have people who are not going to go along with the program that we have we want them to be separated. We want them to feel separated. And to feel like they are on the outside. By them being on the outside. They can't infiltrate the people that we have convinced. So that's why they want to separate. We've got this group of people here. And they buy into it. They believe it. Because they believe it. All these other people out here. We've, we've made them separate. We've pushed them away. We've mocked them. We have put them down and people have no respect for their viewpoint. So they're not going to be as forthtelling about their viewpoint because they're just going to get mocked some more. And this this way, these people who were once on the outside infiltrated inside began to do all these things that Jude began to depict here. And once they got that power on the inside, they turned the attitude through the mocking so that the people who had the truth were looked at as outsiders looked at as kooks and there's no reason to listen to them. And that's what they were doing to the church. And this is something that Jude was extremely concerned about. Now on this, this note that is uh, translated sensual, Alford has has this note and Wiest writes about this in his, his word studies. The suke is the center of the personal being, the eye of each individual. It is in each man bound to the spirit, man's higher part and to the body, man's lower part, drawn upwards by the one, downward by the other. He who gives himself up to the lower appetites, or that is fleshly, he who by communion with his spirit, with with God's spirit, is employed in the higher aims of his being that is a spiritual person. He who rests midway thinking only of self and self-interest whether animal or intellectual is the, the sensual person. So we have the fleshly that is the lowest. We have the spiritual which is the highest. And Alford puts it at the sensual somewhere stuck in the middle. Kind of like the Bible would call lukewarm. The selfish man, the man in whom the spirit is sunk and degraded is into subordination to the subordinate soul but that's not where God wants us to live. God wants us to live on the spiritual level. He wants us to live on the higher level. If we live on the spiritual level, He can reveal things to us in our spirit that our mind can't understand. It can't wrap its uh, it wrap its head around. I can't grab hold of that, but my spirit can. Once my spirit grabs hold of that revelation, that, uh, that insight that God has given me, then I take it from my spirit and I begin to teach my mind. I renew my mind on that particular thing, and now I have a different outlook. It's imperative that what we get in our spirit, we teach through our mind. It has to have an effect on the suke or on the, on the, uh, soulish level of a person. But if I don't have that revelation that comes in through my spirit to teach my soul, to teach my suke, as the, the word is here, if I don't have that revelation that comes in, then this, the suke, the soul of the, of the man is only going to hear what comes through the flesh. And that's why it's going to drag it down and go into a negative way. So the purpose of these false teachers is to make sure that that soul of the person is never subject to the revelations of the spirit, only subject to the passions of the flesh. And so they begin to stir up things of the flesh as if they were spiritual. Thereby these people pursue these things and go after that. And you'll see this in all kinds of, of stuff instead of people pursuing the gifts of the spirit as God ordains people and we're talking now I don't know what was going on there on Tuesday in this but I know what goes on here now and people are going out there and prophesying to chairs because I can get that on the flesh level now, I, I can't get that on the spiritual level God is not going to give you a word to a chair he will not do it but people get in this, this notion I've heard them I know they're still going on around I'm sure if any of you walked into one of those places, you'd walk right out of it. But they want you to prophesy to a chair, for the purpose of learning how to do it. But if I'm going to learn how to do it, I got to learn what comes into my spirit, not what comes into my flesh. But that's how they will—they will begin to do these things. You—I've made reference to this in some of the Sunday mornings. Some of the people that were in the one church service I was in, and they're there grunting and moaning and all sorts of stuff all throughout the church while the preacher is, is going on and preaching. Fortunately, this man was a bold one and he knew the congregation and he, he told him to shut up. <laughs> I, I loved it. I was thinking, well, this is, I like this guy. <laughs> I did, I already knew that I liked him. That's why I was there. But I heard how he was dealing with people. Said, oh man, I like this guy. This is good. He knows that's flesh. I knew that was flesh. I heard them going on about this and disturbed me because I know that's coming from their flesh. But they were trained to think it comes to my flesh and it goes to my suke, my soul. And I just begin to speak it out. And I think I'm doing something spiritual. They're not. But they think they are. Once you get into this level, then people begin to take revelation that comes to their flesh and begin to speak it out about the Bible as if it was spiritual. Now the people that are spiritual will hear that and say, that's a bunch of garbage. But they won't hear it. Most people that will get into this, if you try and pinpoint the things that they're doing as being flesh and not being spirit, they will either separate themselves from you, they will ridicule and mock you. If they can get people to to disbelieve what you say, they'll still continue to hang around. And you'll you'll see this with, with people today. People are trying to pass off what comes to their flesh as something that comes to their spirit. And this is what they were doing in this day. They were not spiritual people. They were causing divisions. What is the difference between causing a division like they were doing and causing a division between good and bad? Because we can see many times that Paul, Peter, would would single out different ones and say, <laughs> you are not of God. Paul, you know, he found a sorcerer, and he identified them as a sorcerer. And uh, certainly there was a separation that was there. But for that person, there was a road back in. Repent. Follow after God. And you can go this this way. There's always that particular way. But the people that are just creating the separation, there's no room to repent. It is you are an unbeliever. If you could become a non-believer in the area of global warming, there's no way back in. You're done. If you don't go along with what all the scientists believe, because they all say, you know, uh, all, ever, you ever hear that, all scientists agree? That's false. <laughs> Anytime all scientists agree, there are certain ones that have been quieted. Because they never all agree. You can go in there and you can look at the different theories they have of how the universe works or how how the earth works or how the solar system is held together. There's all kinds of theories on it. And one believes this theory and one believes this theory, they don't agree. They don't necessarily hate each other, but they don't agree. The only way that you have full agreement is when the other side is oppressed and pushed down. And the only ones that ever get pushed down in this way are the ones that have the truth. Anytime you see that a group of people are mad at one side, or one group of people, or a small group of people, or an individual, any time more often than not, that they're the ones that had the truth. that's why they that's why so much rose up against them so these people they go after the sensual not the spiritual they go after the sensual not the spiritual they try to pass off the sensual as spiritual it's easier to get what is sensual i can generate that in my flesh and i can do it as i will what is spiritual is that god as god wills and I don't like that restriction. I want to get more. I need more revelation. I need to have something unique. I need to write a book. I need to make some money. I need a revelation that's, that's different from what everybody else has. And if I open myself up to get a revelation that's different from what everybody else has, there's a certain entity out there that will accomplish that for you. So essentially, these men were not spiritual. They were carnal and insensitive to the Holy Spirit. It is real frustrating to people that are sensitive to spiritual things to see someone who has made themselves sensual to flesh things, passing it off as spiritual. They will call it out. They will point it out. And most times, uh, people, those people will refuse it. They won't receive that particular thing. There's a certain attitude that people get And when they have that, they don't receive rebuke. They don't receive correction from anyone. They are their own person. Well, I answer to God. Is that right? Kind of interesting how the Bible wasn't set up that way. David didn't say, I answer to God. If I want to have Bathsheba as a wife, I'll have Bathsheba as a wife. He didn't say that. (laughs) He knew better than to say that. Saul tried to say that he answered to God. That didn't work out so well. God said, you're not listening to me. Now again, sensual, in the context, in, the, in this particular context here, it has nothing to do with, with anything sexual. It's just sensual in that it comes through your flesh. It describes a person who lives only by and for what he can get through his physical senses. This is how he lives, but he passes it off as something that's spiritual. The, um, the way that Jude. Rice saying these people are easy to identify. There are three things here. First off, fruits. They will not have the fruit of the Spirit going on. They can pass off some waxed fruit that looks good, but when you get right up close to it, it's not there. They can pass off, I have the fruit of patience, and there's an appearance of patience there. But when pressed, you find out that that that, uh, that wax apple doesn't have any juice inside of it at all. There's nothing genuine about that. So the fruits are going to be they're going to be true if they're spiritual. If they're fleshly, those fruits are going to be fake. They're going to be wax. They may look real, real good. I think at that time we we took a. Uh, Angel out to, to eat. I think it was over at Olive Garden. She she likes Olive Garden. And one of the first times that we were there with her, and I don't know if this was just a new thing that they had done, but uh, Olive Garden, they came on out and they had a tray of the desserts. And so they bring the tray of desserts out there to you. And, and I, I can still remember, this was years ago. This was one of the first times we brought Angel out. That's how long ago it was. And they brought the tray of things on out there and Angel's, she's looking it over and she's, uh, oh, she's, she's being real careful and doesn't want to uh, you know, touch the food. She, you know, I think I might like uh She's trying to pick out which one. And I guess somehow she inadvertently touched one found, oh, that's not real. Because <laughs> they really made some very... They looked real. They looked very much like the real thing. But this way they don't have to make it all up and they can just kind of show you. You know, this is the carrot cake. I don't know why people would get that for dessert, but I wouldn't do it. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, I know people who like it. I'm just, uh, just. I mean, it even tastes good. I'll even admit that it does taste good. But I'm not ordering anything that has carrots in it for dessert. That's just the, I just draw the line right there. <laughs> if you're going to describe a dessert with with something like a vegetable, we're done. But anyway, uh, they had all these different ones: chocolate cake, you know, the, the, the chocolate ice and chocolate. All, all these different ones. She's she's looking around and she's pointing one out. But they looked, and I mean, they did look good. She wasn't the only one that was fooled. (laughs) I'm thinking that they were real too. I just wasn't as close to it. And that surprised me. So, you know, now it's a common thing that they do with dessert. They bring out the fake tray and and you can kind of see what's there and and pick out which one you want. But this is what they do. But true fruits of God, they're genuine. They're real. It's not something that's put on. But for these guys, it would be a put on. Second thing is Motives. People that are false always know, I gotta hide my motives. I gotta conceal the motives that I have. Uh, but ar- around certain ones, they will, they will, uh, talk about them. If they feel that this is a safe environment. They will tell them what their, their motives are. Cause it just feels like they just like to talk about their, their genuine motives. But only to the right people. Get them in a conversation. If you talk to them in a conversation, you'll find out their motives are wrong or at least what they're telling me this is not a genuine motivation this is something that they're passing off right now so fruits motives and the selfish nature you're going to find these people have a nature that is about them it's a selfish nature a true servant of God someone who's in the body of Christ to help the body of Christ doesn't have a selfish nature they're not looking at what is in this to, to gain something from me how can we help other people? What can we do? So those are three things that will help, help show you that. Now the, uh, one of the, the books I have gave this kind of a summary here for these uh, verses 8 through 17. It says it gives a chilling description of these apostates. In the beginning, few of these traits would be obvious and believers might welcome men of such seeming importance but the rottenness beneath the surface must be uncovered. This was Jude's task. He saw these ones sneaking in. He saw the how rotten they were to the core, how evil and how bad it was. And his task was, I need to equip these folks with what they need that they can spot them. So they go from the grumbler and complainer to the flatterer, and then mocking these are all sins of speech the only thing that is close to genuine here is the grumbling and complaining the flattery nothing genuine about that the mocking they're afraid of the thing that they mock they're afraid of it I heard, uh, heard somebody make this comment this is years ago and he's out of the scene now, so it doesn't get anybody upset. <laughs> but way back when Al Gore ran for president. And uh, he uh, went through all the the, the stuff. He, he decided to go in a different direction after that and stayed out of politics. And he went on preaching about the global warming and the icebergs melting and all this sort of stuff. And he became an extremely rich person. And someone uh, wondered in the next presidential election, would he run again? And... Uh, this person who was evaluating this said absolutely not it'll never run again because as long as he stays out of that format he never has to debate what it is that he's making money off of if he got into the political spectrum again and began to run then that would come up and he'd have to debate it (laughs) and he knew you can't win in a debate now if y'all know the whole thing that went on with Al Gore you know that he gave 20 years that, now that's already come and gone, and nothing that he made all his money off of uh, came about. In fact, there are even pictures of him in his big house, in his office, with multiple huge monitors and computers going. I don't know why he needed them all, but he he let he took the picture. It's in his house. <laughs> he took the picture and allowed the picture to go out. Apparently, he didn't see any problem with that. But other people say, wait a minute, you're telling everybody else they got to cut down on what they're doing? And you got this big house for just you and your wife. And you got all these huge monitors that you're running in there. To do what? And, you know, of course, all these folks will ride around on planes and, uh, and all the other sort of stuff. Because they don't believe it. They preach it, but they don't believe it. Their motives are not right. So, again, you're going to see this. They grumble, they complain. We try and keep this under wraps just so people can know that I'm discontented about something and as they become interested in me then they want to know what it is that I think can be better and they'll flatter me so that I become interested in what they think is better and they will mock those that will take what they want to do and make it better they will mock them so that I will think less of them that's their. That's how they do things the speech attempts to cover up their motives and actions, but once uncovered, their words and attitudes change. If you ever get one of these per- persons and you uncover their true motives, you uncover their that their words are fake, if you uncover their attitude, you will see a complete change in this person because the fruit they portrayed was fake. And if you ever see somebody who goes from sweet, nice, patient, loving to bam, angry, vicious uh, accusatory just over just just in a second like that then you know this is the genuine that was the fake if you are a believer tying into your spirit that will not happen even if you get something to get you so upset that you switch over and you get angry and you do do stuff what happens to the inside of you Holy Spirit begins to convict you and say hey you're going in the wrong direction. Yes, I am. And a lot of times we'll just stop and say, I need to apologize. I'm going in the wrong direction. I don't mean to, to go in that way. And that's just a whole different attitude that goes on. But these folks, they won't do that. You'll get that, that anger. Now he's going to be moving on in some other some other aspects of things. He's giving them what he feels will help them to uncover and to see Second Peter Of course, he's going to get into a whole lot more detail of some of this. But really, what we have in Jude here, this gives you everything you need to spot these ones who want to creep in, who want to sneak into the body of Christ and begin to exert their influence to the point where they begin to change the direction of the ministry, change the direction the church is going, change the direction of the teaching, change the direction of the outreach, change the direction of all the things that are being done. So that it's not accomplishing the purpose that God has, it's accomplishing the purpose that they have. He saw this as very, very grave, very severe, and surely we can see this now. And even though maybe here in this church we don't have people like that trying to sneak in, or that they have, we've you know uh gotten them out. And, but the, there's a body overall, and there's people that are going to come to us via YouTube, via the TV, via however it is that uh, they come to us, we've got to be watchful of these things. We've got to be careful. We've got to know the Word. We've got to stay up on what does the Word teach. I need to stay tied into my spirit. I need to receive things from my spirit on a regular basis. It should be daily, but at least it ought to be a couple times a week. You ought to receive things in your spirit. The more you keep receiving in your spirit, I know how to receive things into my spirit the people that are this way, they'll never be able to speak to your spirit because they're fleshly. They'll speak to your, to your flesh, but you. It, the more that you can determine, now that's my flesh. That's not my spirit, that's my flesh. My flesh is getting excited, but my spirit is not excited about this at all. Then I begin to determine these things and that be, immediately begins to tell me something's not quite where it should be here. Now, just because a person in the body of Christ does not minister to my spirit doesn't mean they're false. It may just mean they're not very mature yet. It may just mean they don't know how to to gain the spiritual things. They might be on the right right path, but um, you know I've seen this with some people where they uh, they're young, they're just getting started in ministry, and you, you you tolerate a few more things with that than you would. But after a couple of times, if you interaction with them and they're not going anywhere. They're going more in the way of flesh, receiving from their flesh. Well, then we just kind of sever that. Well, we're not going to bring bring them in or do that or connect with them anymore. That's just a, that's the wrong direction that they're going. So I have to make it, be able to make that determination. Just because a person can't speak to my spirit right off the bat doesn't mean they're false. Don't write them off. But be, be alert to the fact that, well, okay, they're not ministering to my spirit just yet. I didn't get anything in my spirit on that one but um, they may still just, just be there I think I, how many remember when Bob Dylan got saved anybody remember that yeah, one person Yeah, I, I'm not a Bob Dylan guy I didn't like his music before he got saved I didn't like his music after he got saved I just thought it was monotone, drone and boring That's that was me I know people claimed it they thought it was the best stuff in the world not me I didn't I didn't like him. When he got born again, I remember the, the church was, was was thrilled. Here was his big singer and he was uh got born again and he was going after stuff and, and but you know he's he was he was as carnal as they could be. And he got born again and now all of a sudden he's being thrust on the stage and expected to minister to people on the spiritual level. And so he began to try and sing, he just tried to change his songs instead of singing about the world stuff, he was gonna sing about God. And so he was singing about God, but after a while, people said, you know what, this doesn't minister to me. And there was a couple of times he got booed on stage by Christians because they weren't receiving anything from it. And uh, this, 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 isn't the, this isn't spiritual stuff. <laughs> they booed him on stage. He got mad, and I'm pretty sure he left the, the whole thing of, of uh, following after God and, and, and going that. Now, there's a whole lot of fault to go around and why that happened. But first off, He shouldn't have been up on stage trying to minister to things in the spirit. That's, uh, that's, he was not equipped for that, not ready for it. So maybe his, uh, his conversion was genuine. And I can't tell you whether it was genuine or not. I didn't uh, follow him, like I said, I didn't follow him before, I didn't follow him after. I heard some of his new songs that he did. And, uh, the only one I remember, only song I remember of his that he did when he was born again was You Gotta Serve Somebody. And I thought that was the most boring song, the most uninspired thing I had ever heard. And, uh, if I ever heard it going on, I'd just turn it off and go to something else. It just didn't do anything to me. It's, but, uh, yeah, people liked it. There was a lot of the, a lot of the groups over there out there that they would sing stuff and I didn't like them at all. Um, there were some, uh, way back when I was a youth leader, there were some, um, heavy metal Christian bands. And I couldn't stand them. I didn't like hearing them. And, uh, I don't know if I told this story in a while, but, there was a, I took the kids out to the creation Jesus the creation festival. And they had a couple of these there. And the first time we won, I made it mandatory. If something's going on on the stage, you all are down there. That rule got eliminated the second year. Because that meant I had to be there. And some of these heavy metal bands are out there playing. And uh, me and uh, Brian Crady, remember him. We're both, we're both in on this. <laughs> Taking these groups out there. He didn't like the music. I didn't like the music. All we could do was lay down... On the ground, all the bodies are standing up, and let them block off most of the sound. We plugged up our ears, and tried to survive. <laughs> it just wasn't that kind of thing, but you know, there' are a lot of Christians were all around us who um, apparently got stuff, <laughs> but it wasn't me. So I understand there's, there's uh, that they can go on, but you see, you need to receive things in your spirit, and as a minister. If we're going to minister in the things of God, I need to minister on a spiritual level and not a flesh level. But there's a lot of people out there in the areas of miracles. They try and do things in the flesh level, and try and copy what it is that God does. And that's not going to be effective. And you know, that's not going to be where we want to go. So He's given us these things to help us identify that. Now He's going to turn tail and go into another direction. That's also important. In fact, if you don't go the direction he points out now, you're going to have a hard time doing all this stuff that he's already taught you to do. Father, in your word, you teach us what we need to learn, what we need to know. We do not need to fear what is false. We don't need to fear what is of Satan. We don't need to fear what is of darkness. Because down on the inside, you have equipped us to be able to recognize it. There are many Christians We don't develop that ability to determine what is of God and what is not. But if we will do the things that Jude has outlined for us, we can pinpoint those things that are not good, those things that are false prophets from those that are true, those that are false apostles from those that are true, false teachers from those that are true, and so forth. I thank you, Father that you have equipped us no matter how much false the devil wants to throw at us it won't deceive us if we follow after the guidelines that you've given us thank you again in the name of Jesus Amen